as we continue in our, our study through the book of Acts, I want to I talk to you about some things that, uh, you know, some things that we face in our Christian lives that, that uh, might, might be hard for people to understand, might be hard to, uh, to, um, to, during those times to remember that God is still good. Have you ever had a time in your life when, when maybe tragedy strikes or something comes unexpectedly where, where you're, you're tempted in your flesh to think, God, what's going on? What did you do? Why are you doing this to me? Why, I'm, I'm trying to serve you, and why are you allowing this in my life? Have you ever been tempted to think those kind of things? Well, here in the book of Acts chapter 12, we, we, find, we find the account of, of, of the church going through, going through one of these times. We've talked about how persecution began to spread. And, and many of those folks uh, there in Jerusalem, from the church in Jerusalem, went up to, uh, went up, you know, uh, scattering about to flee the persecution. Some of them reached a, a city called Antioch. And this Antioch is one of, of several Antiochs that we find in the Bible. Um, but uh, here, they, here they began to, to spread around and began to share the gospel and began to reach people with, uh, for Jesus. And, and the church in Jerusalem heard about what was going on. And so they sent Barnabas, remember that? They sent Barnabas up to, to see what was going on and to see if he could help. And he saw so many people coming to Christ. He rejoiced in that. He was so glad. And he, he encouraged them. Uh, the Bible, uh, as, we, as we read last week, he exhorted them that with purpose of heart, that they would cleave unto God. That they, would, that they would cleave unto God and, and they would do it in such a way that their life shows that the reason they live is for Jesus Christ. That's their purpose, their purpose of heart. And, and as he did that, the Bible tells us that he went, to, he went to Tarsus to find Saul. Saul was the one who had at once persecuted the, the church but he became a believer. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And uh, he became a believer in Jesus Christ. And Barnabas went and brought Saul with him to help disciple these new believers, to help them to grow in their faith. And the Bible says they continued a whole year uh, there ministering and, and, uh, and teaching the people, gathering together for the gospel and teaching the people together for the gospel. And they're, and they're uh, helping them to grow in their understanding of the gospel. That, it's, that the gospel is there not just, to, not just for our salvation, but also for our continued sanctification. And, and we're thankful for that. And then, they, and then they heard, they heard that there was some things going on in Jerusalem. Some more persecution. And by this time, the persecution had gone from just being a, uh, a religious persecution, where, the, where the, the religious leaders among the Jewish people were persecuting the, the, the Christians. But it, also, it had also become a, a persecution by the government. See, Rome, uh, Rome had, uh, had put in power therein in Israel, a man by the name of Herod. 
And we, and Herod's name is, is, is kind of familiar, but uh, if, if we're not careful, we'll kind of get it mixed up and, and, and try to figure out how is, how is Herod here, but then he's here, and then he dies here, but then he's here. Let, how, how does that help? Uh, how does that work? Well, there's several people that are named Herod. That kind of makes sense, right? The first one that we, that we read about is Herod the Great. He's the one that ordered the murder of all the children back when Jesus, right after Jesus was born, mur- the murder of the children in Bethlehem. And then Herod the Great, he was, a very, he was very jealous of his throne. And one day he thought that his wife and his son were going to try to, uh, to overthrow him. And so he had them killed. Nice guy, right? Um, and he had them killed. But his son, who he had killed, had had a son. And that little baby was whisked away by his mother and eventually ended up in Rome. We'll come to him in just a minute. Herod's other son, Antipas, became the king after Herod the Great died. And Herod Antipas is the one who put John the Baptist to death. We read about him through the Gospels. And, and so uh, later on, uh, later on uh, this, this baby up in Rome, he grows up, becomes a full-grown man. Through, the, through his years uh, there in Rome, he, he, was, uh, he was well acquainted with the imperial family, the rulers there in the empire, and, uh, and he, uh, he became good friends with, one, with a man named Gaius, who later became Emperor Caligula. If you remember Caligula from history, crazy guy, appointed his horse as a member of the Senate. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he was crazy or if he was insulting the Senate, thinking that you know his horse could make better decisions than the rest of them. It's possible. I know some animals that could probably make some better decisions than our. You know, anyway, another discussion for another time. Uh, but uh, but anyway, uh, Caligula appointed his friend Herod Herod Agrippa the first to be king in southern Syria and over Judea and some areas of Galilee and Perea and places like that. And so this is the Herod that we find here in the book of Acts, uh, in Acts chapter 12. The Bible says, uh, verse one, now about that time, Herod the king, uh, let's see. About that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church to cause them some trouble, to persecute them. See, Herod was one that he, he craved attention, he craved approval, and when he saw that, that the people that he had been given to preside over, that they, were, that they were all up in arms about this small group of people called, uh, that, that had later become called Christians, uh, he, he decided, hey, I'll garner their favor by joining in the persecution of these Christians. And so he began to persecute them. And he and the Bible says that the Bible says that he killed James the brother of John with a sword. This is the first of the 12 this is the first of the the disciples of Christ to be put to death by martyrdom. The first of them that, that died during this, this church age, they were put to death uh, through this time of persecution. And, and Herod, uh, Herod uh, arrested James and had him killed with a sword. And the Bible says when he saw that it pleased the people, 
he arrested Peter too. And his plan was that right after the Passover, he was going to put him to death. He's like, boy, these people are really going to love me. I'm helping them stamp out this problem real quickly. I'm taking some of their leaders and I'm killing them. And so he's got, he's got Peter in prison. And can you imagine these new believers, this church, what they're going through? They've got the, church, they've got the, the religious crowd around them trying, to, trying to, uh, to kill them and persecute them, arrest them. Now they've got the government coming down on them, arresting them, killing their leaders. God, what's going on? Sometimes it seems that, it seems that God has maybe forgotten about us or maybe he's turned his attention elsewhere, whatever. But never forget, God knows exactly what's going on. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He knows exactly what's taking place in your life. He knows your struggles. He knows your burdens. He knows your, he knows your concerns. He knows the things that, that keep you awake at night. God knows those things. And, and the Bible tells us that, that not only that he knows, but he cares. See, we have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That's what Hebrews tells us. In other words, our great high priest, Jesus Christ, he understands our pain. He understands our heartache. He understands the struggles that we go through, not just because he's omniscient God, not just because he's all-knowing, but because he became flesh, he became a man, and he walked this, this life. He went through the troubles. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He went through those times. And in fact, even on the cross, he cried out and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You ever felt like that? Well, just know that God is there and he cares. He knows what you're going through. The problem that the church faced was, was this persecution uh, from, from the religious crowd all around them. Uh, Paul, Paul later said, he said, we're troubled on every side. Sometimes as a, as a believer in Jesus, it's going to seem like everywhere you go, you're opposed because of your belief in Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's going to seem like uh, whether you're at home, uh, that, that if you're at home, you're facing opposition because of your belief in Jesus. You go to work, you face opposition because of your belief in Jesus. You go, you go to the store, you face opposition. You go hang out with some friends, you face some opposition because of your faith in Jesus. Uh, you, might, you might begin to lose some friends because of your faith in Jesus Christ. You might get attacked on social media because of your faith in Jesus Christ. But hey, though everyone forsakes you, know this. Jesus will never forsake you. He will never leave you. He's faithful. The church was going through some, some terrible times, and, and the Bible says that, that Herod Agrippa had Peter arrested. And, and the Bible says he, when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions 
of soldiers. That means four groups, four squads of four soldiers. So 16 soldiers that were guarding him. Not only that, uh, but, uh, but, they were, uh, but he was chained to soldiers. Each, each of his arms uh, had chains on it that was chained to a soldier. It's kind of like sometimes you, 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 might see, uh, you might see prisoners who are, uh, who are traveling or whatever, uh, that, that there's a, a handcuff on them and a handcuff on the agent that's taking them to, uh, to their destination or whatever. And, and Peter, was, Peter was chained to soldiers. He had soldiers on either side of him. And Herod's plan for him was to kill him. Herod had, had clearly made himself out to be the enemy of the church, the enemy of these believers. His, he wanted to eradicate Christianity from, uh, from the earth, uh, but especially from his realm. Why? Because he wanted to be popular with the people. You know, you and I have an enemy that is, that is seeking our demise. He's seeking to destroy uh, our testimony. He's seeking to destroy our effectiveness for Christ. He's seeking to destroy our, our, uh, our fellowship with Christ. Uh, he's seeking to uh, destroy uh, everything, every, everything in our lives that he can. He wants to defeat you in battle. He wants to, to leave you feeling like you're hopeless, you're a loser, that you're no good, you'll never get any better, you'll always be what you've always been. That's what the enemy wants you to think but in Christ we are a new creature old things are passed away behold all things are become new the Bible tells us we have victory because of Jesus Christ we are not what we used to be but the enemy is going to come along and he's going to try to trap you and to drag you back into those old habits He's going to try to keep you bound uh, in, in, those, in those old old things, the things of your past. Or, or he may try to trip you up with some, something new and, and try to just limit your effectiveness and keep you bound. Or he may go the other way with it, not telling you that you're a loser, but he might, he might tell you how wonderful you are and get you to believe it. That, you know, you're so smart, you're so wise, you don't need anybody teaching you. You don't need to go to church and hear the preaching of, of the Bible. You don't need some man telling you anything. I mean, you've got the Bible, you can read it for yourself. And you know what? You've got the Bible and you can read it for yourself. But God commands us to assemble and commands me to preach. So uh, that's what we got to do, right? And so if God's commanded, that's what we're going to do. And if we think that we're so wise that we don't need preaching, we don't need teaching, then Satan has us in a trap. And eventually he's going to get you to begin prioritizing other things above church, feeling like that gathering together is not that important, feeling like, well, you know, they're not going to miss me. And your affection is going to be placed elsewhere. All the while you think that you're spiritual. But let me tell you this. If you're not doing what God has commanded, you're not honoring God and you're not walking closely with him. Satan wants to bind us. He wants to trap us. And he wants to destroy us. And if he can get us to fall for any of these, 
we've got a problem. We've got a problem that's beyond our capacity to overcome. We need Jesus. And I'm glad that here in the early church, they recognized the problem that they had was one that they couldn't control. It was one that they needed divine intervention. I often wonder what might have happened if they had been praying before James was taken. Nevertheless, when Peter was arrested, the church hit their knees. The Bible says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. I, I love this. Because you can, you, can you can look through this story and you can, you can see that, that word but there in that, in that verse, it's a conjunction. You learn that in school, right? It joins the two different parts. But the conjunction but means things are about to change. Everything seemingly was going wrong. It was going bad. But notice what it says. But prayer was made by the church unto God for him. Hey, when God's people begin to pray, things begin to change. Because when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. We can only do so much, but there is no limit to what our God can do. So when, you, when you're facing a problem and you, and you realize it's beyond your control, hey, child of God, don't despair. Hit your knees and begin to pray to the God of heaven who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. And then put your seatbelt on because you're about, to, you're about to go for a ride and see God do some amazing things. It'll blow your socks off. Because he's able. Hey, difficult days, sadly many times difficult times that come upon us, they cause us to distance ourselves. But difficult days ought to drive us together. Difficult days ought to drive us to our knees. Difficult days ought to cause us to look unto heaven and to call to Jesus Christ for help. Hey, call on God in prayer because prayer changes things. Now, how should we pray? When we pray, we need to pray honestly. Honestly, hey, come clean before God. We've been talking about for a little while uh, how, the, how the, the psalmist prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, know my anxious thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Hey, when we ask him that, he's gonna begin to do his search. He's been doing his search in our lives, and, and sometimes it's not fun. I said earlier that when we, when we pray and ask God to do his work, sometimes uh, he, he shows us things in our life, but the way he shows it to us is by allowing things that test us and, prove, and, and give us an opportunity to do right, but many times in those opportunities we do wrong, right? This week, God... Helped me to see that there's still 
there's still some areas in my heart and my life that he's working on and, and, he's, and he's, wanting to, he's, wanting to get, he's wanting to help me to, to grow past those things. And I pray that as you've been praying, search me, that God has been helping you too. Hey, don't be so arrogant and don't be foolish enough to say it's other people's problem. Because if God allowed that, that, that turmoil, if God allowed that argument, if God allowed that fight or whatever it is, if God allowed that situation in your life, he did it for you because there's something he wants you to grow through it. So let's ask him to search us. Let's come honestly before him. God, I need your, I'm, I'm, I'm fallen, I'm, I'm, I'm a failure in so many ways. God, I'm not able to face this. God, we need your help. Now, we might not have physically have people hunting us down like the, the, the believers did there in the book of Acts, there in Jerusalem, trying to kill us, but we, we do have a spiritual enemy that's hunting you down, and we can't face him alone. We come honestly and we come humbly before God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Hey, you know what? I, my prayer for the men of our church is that we will humble ourselves. Men, I love you, but every one of us, we have got to humble ourselves if God's gonna do his work in our church. You're awesome, you're amazing, you're wonderful, you're strong, you're powerful, you're great, you're wise, all that. Hey, but you need to humble yourself because you don't know what God knows. And until you humble yourself, you won't know what God's got for you. And you can either humble yourself or you can have God to humble you. And you don't want that. That's why the Bible says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Come humbly. Come believing. Believing that God is able. James says, ask in faith nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Come believing. Come faithfully to God. Call on him faithfully. Hey, is prayer a regular habit of your life? I know, I know we pray without ceasing and we, we're, to, we're to live in a spirit and an attitude of prayer where we're talking to God regularly uh, and throughout our day and talking to God about everything. But hey, do you have times when you sit down or you kneel down and you, and you talk to God and you just focus on talking to God in prayer? How strong are, are, would our marriages be if, if the only conversation that we had with our spouse was as we're passing by here and there and talking across the house to them and all of that? How strong would they be if we don't take the time to sit down, look each other in the eyes, and you know, all that that goes from there, you know? And uh, it's, it's, hey, it's wonderful, and, and, it's, and you need those times of talking. Guys, talking. That's what our wife wants from us. (laughs) 
And let me tell you this, is not a talk. It's not talking. You might need some Rolades for that, but that's not talking, okay? They want conversation. And the more we do it, the more we'll grow in conversation. Well, I don't know what to say in pr- when I'm praying. The more you do it, the more you'll grow in that conversation. Because prayer is just a conversation with God. And we just talk to him. Come faithfully. And come trusting. Well, you, just, you said believing. Isn't that the same thing as trusting? Not necessarily. Believing, is, we, we believe that he is able Trusting is we're putting it in his hands. We're we're releasing ourselves of the need to feel like we've got to be in control. We're trusting him with it. Put it in God's hands. That's why the Bible says, casting all your care on him, for he careth for you. Casting, that's throwing it out there but it's not casting like with a fishing rod where you cast it out and reel it back in. We cast it and we leave it with him. Leave your burdens with the Lord. Take them to to Jesus and trust him with it. Pray continually. The Bible says that the church was praying without ceasing. Without ceasing. There was something going on in their lives, something going on in their church and in the lives of their loved ones that they all saw that it was so, uh, so necessary for there to be constant prayer, around-the-clock prayer for, for this situation. Hey, and there are some times when, when it gets that way. And, and we, may have, we may have times uh, when, when we're focusing in prayer on something, when we, when we want to we have a, a 24-hour prayer chain, so to speak. So, it's, so somebody at Crosspoint is praying 24 hours a day. And I want to encourage you, when those prayer times come, hey, jump in and be a part. And don't, and don't let everybody else get the 2 a.m. time, okay? <laughs> because they'll get it if you're not careful. Pray earnestly, passionately, intensely. The Bible says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Hey, this, is, this isn't, now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. Hmm. No, I'm talking about, God, we need you. God, Peter's in prison. Herod's already killed James, and, and he's after the rest of us. And God, uh, he, Peter, he's, he's intending to kill Peter right after the Passover. And God, if you don't do something, nothing, hey, Peter's going to die, and, and we feel like we need him still. And God, I, I don't know what, what we're going to do. God, please, please, God, would you please deliver Peter? I mean, they were passionate about it. When's the last time you got passionate about a prayer? You got passionate in prayer over something. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a child. Maybe it's a, a, a brother or a sister. 
Maybe it's a, a, a friend or a mom or dad or a spouse that, that Satan has them captive and is intending to destroy them. Hey, and, and, you, and you got passionate in prayer and you prayed and you prayed and you pled with God and you begged God to do whatever it takes to deliver them. We see, we see the, uh, here in this, in this uh, chapter, we see the problem, then we see the prayer, but thirdly, we see the peace. You see, when you trust God with it, you've come and you've prayed and you've passionately prayed and, and, you've, and you've prayed until God gives you the peace that he's going to take care of it, there will be peace. And you can get up off your knees and you can, you can go on about your day. Hey, let me tell you what, what Peter was doing. The Bible says while the church was praying, Peter was sleeping. Peter's there. Uh, the Bible says, and when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And all these guards around He's, he's in the cell with the gate, the, the door closed and the soldiers there. He's got uh, 16 soldiers. There's, a, uh, there's sentries out by the, the outside gate and there's the big iron gate in front of the whole prison. Peter's inside, sleeping. Now how in the world could Peter be sleeping? It seems like you know if, if he knew, uh, knowing that he's supposed to be put to death, very, very soon, that maybe he would be pacing the floor and, or, or if the guards didn't want to pace with him, you know, he's sitting there, you know, at least praying and crying and begging God, please don't let him cut my head off like this, you know, please, please, you know. It seems like that's what he'd be doing. But he's sleeping. You know why? Because he had a promise from Jesus. See, Jesus had told him before Jesus ascended back to heaven that, when, that Peter would be an old man when he died. He wasn't quite an old man yet. He was probably, you know, in his 40s or something like that. It's very young, very young, um, like me. And, uh, but uh, but Peter, Peter was trusting in Jesus. And he knew that whatever God had promised, he was able also to perform. Didn't matter what man had, what designs man had for him, because Jesus had promised that Peter would be old he would still die a, a horrible death. He was crucified. But he'd be old when it happened. Here he is, a young man. So he's like, why worry when you can sleep, right? And so, and so he, he slept. And, and, and we see the peace. And when you put things in God's hands and you believe the word of God and you trust God and take him at his word, you can be at peace. Life doesn't have to keep us all, uh, our stomach all tied up in knots and keep us all worried and, and afraid. The Bible said, Jesus said, peace, I give unto you. my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. In this world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen? Hey, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And when that's the God we serve, and he is the God of peace, and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, then the peace of God can rule and reign in our hearts and lives, and we can be at peace. 
And what a testimony it is to those loved ones that we're concerned about when we are at peace, when nothing else is. And then we see the power. There was a problem, but prayer was made. So there's peace. And then we see the power of God. And behold, the angel of the Lord came unto him, came to Peter. And a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up. Uh, uh, one of the, some commentators that I read, they said this was, this was uh, the, the Bible uh, sometimes alludes to the fact that, that there may be like guardian angels and all. And so uh, this, this might have been Peter's guardian angel, and he had, he had put, put his angel through the ringer and all that. So this angel came and had his opportunity, so he smote him on the side. I wonder how hard he might have hit him. But he, he, he hit him on the side, smote him on the side to wake him up, the Bible says, and, and, uh, and, and he said, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off. The chains just fell off his hands. And Peter got up, and, and the angel said, put, put on your coat and put on your shoes, and let's go. And so Peter put on his coat, and he's tying on his sandals, and and, and he gets up and he's walking out. And the Bible says that, that he thought that it was a dream. He's, he's, sleep, he, he's sleeping so peacefully that he's, he's dreaming about an angel delivering him. But it, it, but it wasn't a dream. And as he's walking out, he's, uh, here's, the, here's the soldier standing there. And he's just walking by and they're not seeing anything. And he walks right on by and, and out, the, out the door of the, the prison cell and, and on down the, the corridor and, and out into the courtyard. And, and as he's approaching the big iron gate there, the, the, the lock turns and the, the bar slides and the gates just open up. Kind of like those automatic doors at the grocery store. And he walks on out and gets on out into the street and he looks behind him and he sees the doors shut and... And he, he thought it was a dream, and he looks around, and the angel's gone, and then he feels the cold, the cold wind, and he knows, hey, it's, it's, this wasn't a dream. He came, to, he came to his senses, and he came to himself, the Bible says, and, and he realized, I'm not dreaming. This is for real. And he considered it, and, and he, he thought about what was going on, and so he went, he went to the house of, of Mary, the mother of John Mark. That's where the church was gathered praying. Some of the church were, were gathered there praying together. And, and there were many of them there, the Bible says in verse 12. And when the church prayed, God worked. And God worked a miracle. Now, as, as we look at, at the things that happened, God didn't tell Peter, Peter, I'm going to endue you with supernatural strength and I just want you to break those chains. I want you to command those chains to fall off of your hands. Oh, he said, get up. Peter got up and the chains fell off. He said, put on your, sh your shoes and, and your coat and let's go. And as he's going out, you know, very normal, natural things, very ordinary things. And here's the thing. When we're praying and when we're following God and we're obeying God, hey, we do the ordinary. He does the extraordinary. And he works the miracles as we follow him practically and obediently doing exactly what he tells us to do. We're not going to have to go... On somebody and have them fall out. 
You might need a, a mint if that happens. Uh, but he, he didn't call on them to do the supernatural things. They prayed believing. They prayed trusting. And God worked. So Peter knocked at the door. And a girl named Rhoda came and, and opened up, the, uh, opened up uh, or she came to the door and, 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 when, and, you know, who is it? It's Peter. And when she heard Peter's voice, she got so excited because they've been in there praying for God to deliver Peter. And she's excited because Peter's standing at the gate. And so she ran back inside, forgot to let him in. And so she, she goes in and she's, he's here, he's here. And they're thinking, oh no, maybe it's Herod, maybe it's the soldiers, maybe, uh, I don't know who it, who it might be. Who is here? Peter's here. Oh, you're crazy. That's what they said. You're out of your mind. You're mad. No, it's him. No, it's probably his angel. No, it's Peter. And when she kept insisting that it was Peter, they were like, all right, let's go check. And so they went, and they found it was Peter. And they rejoiced, the Bible says. And, 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 he, and Peter's like, shh, shh, shh. Hey, I'm an, ex- I'm an escaped convict here, you know. Let's be quiet. He beckoned the hand to hold their peace and declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things unto James. Now, this James is not the James at the beginning who got killed with a sword. This is James, the half-brother of Jesus. Mary was James's mother, but Joseph was James's father. God is Jesus' father, so this is half-brother, okay? Uh, James was the pastor of the church there in Jerusalem, and, and, he, and he said to him, he said, go tell James what has happened, tell the other brothers what has happened, and, and the Bible says, and Peter departed and went into another place. He, he left and, and went, and we'll, we'll only see him just briefly in a couple more chapters uh, here in the book of Acts. But here's, here's what's really cool. God did that when, Peter, when, when Barnabas and Saul were in town to let them see the power of God once again, to see what God is able to do Because in the days ahead, Saul was going to be facing prison time. In the days ahead, Saul was going to face a lot of persecution. Uh, His name very soon gets changed to Paul. and, And he faces a lot of persecution. But he saw the faith of the church. He saw the faith of Peter. He saw the faith of those who were praying. And he knew that God is able. But what about the people who did him wrong? What about Herod and, and all the ones who, who did them wrong? Don't worry. You don't need to seek vengeance on them. The people that do you wrong, the people that do you dirty, don't, need, don't feel the need to seek vengeance. Jesus said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So let's trust him that he's going to take care of it. We don't need to get anybody back. We need to be loving, tender-hearted, and forgiving, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. So as, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. 
Again, Herod's just showing how wonderful of a person he is. Roman law said that if any of their soldiers uh, failed in their job and a, and a prisoner escaped, the Roman soldiers would be put to death. That was not the law of, uh, that uh, was over uh, Herod's soldiers, but Herod you know, wanted, to, uh, uh, wanted to just kind of show his power and, and all, and, and so he uh, was cruel again and put these men to death. The Bible says, and he went down from Judea to Caesarea and there abode. And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon, because, uh, but they came with one accord to him. And having made Blastus, the king's chamberlain, his, uh, kind of like his uh, chief of staff, so to speak, uh, had made him their friend, and they desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and made an oration unto them. He, he stood up, and, and this day was a, was a day of celebrating, uh, celebrating Caesar. And, and, uh, and Josephus, the, the, his, uh, the Jewish historian who lived around that time, he wrote about this, this celebration and said that Herod came, and he was arrayed in this beautiful robe that had silver uh, sewn into it. And, and he stood before him and gave this eloquent speech, this, this wonderful speech. And the people stood up and they're just, oh, this is the voice of a God and not the voice of a man. Herod was mighty proud of himself and pleased with, that, with that, uh, those accolades. And, and the, Bible says, uh, the Bible says, and immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Now, that's kind of a gross way to go. He was, he was smitten by the angel of the Lord with some disease that, that just kind of destroyed him. In, it, it, the, the historian says it took a few days. He suffered and died. Hey, don't, don't worry about those who do you wrong. God's got this. He'll take care of them. He just wants you to keep your focus on him and doing what he has called you to do. And whether he takes care of them in this life, they will get their just due in the next. They will get their, their just desserts when they stand before God on the day of judgment. So don't worry about that. You keep your focus on Jesus Christ. And let him, let him do his work in you and through you. Let him take care of all the persecutors. Let him take care of the naysayers. Let him take care of those who oppress you and, and do you wrong. Uh, the, Bible says, the Bible says, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. The Bible tells us that the word of God grew and multiplied. As the church did what the church was called to do, as they, as they hit their knees and prayed and trusted in God, and they continued doing what God called them to do, God came through. He did a work that was unim un unimaginable. It was beyond their comprehension. And the word of God grew and multiplied. And the Bible tells us that Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they took with them John, whose surname was Mark. They took John Mark with them to go and, and help them in their ministry. And, uh, and I'm excited as we go further to talk about the, the ministry that God has laid out for them. But church, here's, here's what God wants for us to learn today. We can trust him. We can trust in him. 
We can have peace when we trust in him. We can bring our burdens to the Lord and lay them there and leave them there and we can trust him to take care of it. Doesn't matter how big the problem, doesn't matter how mean the person, hey, God is in control and he is able. So what's going on in your life? What burdens are you carrying? What requests would you have of the Lord? What things do you need to take to God in prayer? Let's take it to him. Because he he wants to answer that prayer. He'll answer it according to his will. He'll answer it in a way that's going to help us to see that that he is doing a work that only he can do. The question is, will you trust him? God answers prayer. So let's pray. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Maybe the prayer that Maybe the prayer that you need to pray today is a prayer of faith, putting putting your trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe the prayer that you need to pray is is humbling yourself and confessing some sin, calling on him to forgive you. He says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Maybe the burden that you're carrying is a, is a burden for a loved one, a, a, like I said earlier, a, a, a spouse, a, a child, a, a sibling, a parent, a friend, whoever it may be. Maybe you're facing a difficult situation and you just don't know how it's going to work out. Hey, God knows. Will you take it to him? Will you cry out to God from your heart? Will you lay your burden down? And trust him.